Hi, I'm Sean King. I'm Melissa King. And this is Don't Listen to Us, episode number 35. We were, a couple weeks ago, we were in, oh, by the way, as always, emails to dltu at yml.me. I meant to talk about this on last week's show, but we got uh, distracted, or I got distracted. I wanted to talk about this. This there was a, We were in uh, the big city a, a couple weeks ago, and uh, the national newspaper of Canada is the uh, Globe and Mail, although I, I would... I hesitate to call it national because it is focused mostly on that shitty-ass town called uh, Toronto. Um, but the hotel offered the... We, we don't get newspaper. We don't have a local daily newspaper here on the Sunshine Coast. We have a weekly newspaper. Um, I think one of them is... There's two of them. Uh, they're both crap. Oh, well, they're small-town small newspapers. Town. Um, our local <coughs> city paper would be the Vancouver Sun the Vancouver Province. Also crap. Awful. The Globe and Mail is a is sort of like Canada's right-ish wing version of the New York Times. Is it at the caliber of the New York oh, Times? Oh, God, no. I was going to say, no, no. definitely. But, I mean, it, it is, that's the impression. The national, I think it's there's two national newspapers that you can get in Vancouver and Halifax. The National Post, which is a business-oriented, obviously, right-wing newspaper. But not not nearly right wing in the uh, the thought. It's right wing for Canada, which is not very right wing for America. Anyway, true. The Globe Mail. So uh, you were off at your conference, and I'm sitting reading the newspaper, something I used to do on a daily basis, and then would definitely do on a weekly basis with the New York Times. I love the Sunday edition of the New York Times. It's freaking huge, and it was a thing you you either got delivered or you went out and got sat in bed with your coffee and just read this gigantic tome. Of a newspaper, loved it. So I'm going to the New York, the the Globe and Mail, and there's this full page ad, and a full page ad always gets my attention because it means someone spent tens of thousands of dollars, literally tens of thousands of dollars, on a ad in a newspaper of the caliber or the the reach of the Globe and Mail, or New York Times, or Washington Post. And it was a picture of a uh, seemingly young woman with a. Um, origami type folded thing around her neck like and sorry like a collar like a collar. A collar and it turned out a lion's head so probably the collar was a mane mm, right a lion's head. right and it said a lion can roar for help i can only ask was the top of the ad i thought oh that's interesting and so i start reading the ad and here's what the ad says if you wanted to follow along you can go to endangeredsyndrome.com no human should be endangered, but people with Down syndrome are. So to ensure we get the support we need, we're applying to be the first people on the endangered list. Because as our community grows smaller, crucial funding for services like housing, employment, and education will shrink too. Support our application to the International Union for Conservation of Nature at EndangeredSyndrome.com. This is an ad from the Canadian Down Syndrome Society. And you weren't there, but I remember looking at this ad for quite some time and thinking, this is quite offensive to me. And I wonder if it's quite offensive to those with Down syndrome. And you and I talked about it for a while, and I showed this to you in the hotel. What were your first thoughts when I showed this ad to you? Um, my first thoughts were, and I know that I know the Down syndrome of the Down syndrome society and... All of that. I've worked with many, many children with Down syndrome. My first thought was that remembering being pregnant when I was 
um, over 40 and how at that time uh, we were offered the opportunity to find out if our child had any particular syndromes, particularly Down syndrome. And this is something common in women over 40, isn't it? Oh, yes. You, well, you can get, yeah, you can get tested to find out if there's... It's, it's more likely after age of 40 that you're going to have a child uh, with Down syndrome I believe and it other, is. other issues. Yes. Okay. Although people have had children with Down syndrome sure. when they're oh, younger yeah. than 40. But I, think that I do believe the risk goes up. And so what happened was um, my husband at the time and I were in a room with a nurse and she was sort of a nurse counselor saying, this is what you could do and find out if this, this, and if your, ch- if your baby, little fetus, has Down syndrome. Is the testing automatic or do you choose to be tested? Oh, we chose not to. Because, oh, okay. But then what she did was she said, I'm going to leave now and you can talk about it. And then she left and Sean and I talked about it and we decided that even if our child did have Down syndrome or something else, that we wouldn't have done anything about it anyways. So we decided to opt out. So you didn't get the test? No. What would have happened if you'd gotten the test and they'd said, yes, your child had Down syndrome? And what age, what age of the fetus is this testing done? Well, at a point where you can decide what you would like to do. So younger than 20 weeks, which is generally the, okay, all right. Do you know what you would have decided? Do you think ahead of time? I'm not going to ask you what, I think I did, but I'm not going to rescind the question. I'm not going to ask what you would have done. But did you think about the consequences one way or the other ahead of time? Or is, was this all just a surprising conversation to you? Oh, no, we we knew, like, I think we knew. Yeah. yeah but we, we were pretty sure and said to each other, okay, would you want to do anything? And he said, no. And I said, well, neither would I. Okay. And so we. And my apologies to anyone out there who may have been offended by the way I phrased the original question. I would have no problem one way or the other with anyone's choice. Nor I. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I've always said, um, it is an awful decision to make to have an abortion or not to have an abortion for any reason whatsoever. And I firmly believe, and I wish I could, if, as, as I've always said, if I was the benign dictator of Canada or the world, I would bar men from discussing abortion, mm-hmm. making laws about abortion for or against. You don't have a uterus. Shut the hell up. You have no idea what women have to go through for this whole process. Even if everything is perfect, it it's matter. still a strenuous I don't want to say awful, but a strenuous process. That you never on, forget on your for the mind, rest of your life. On your life. body, on everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, men should have no say in this at all. And, and men out there, take my advice. Do not have a – because I literally have no opinion one way or the other because it doesn't affect me. So I don't think, yes, I would, no, I wouldn't in any situation because it's not my decision to make. I have no problem. There's a lot of advocates will say, well, the man gets – half the the decision because it's half well then he should have put on a full condom you know he should have taken responsibility for the birth control anyway that's that's not the issue um but when i when i read this ad no human should be in danger but people with down syndrome are and they're not in danger from the way that you are describing where people are getting these tests and then deciding to not take care of the baby to term and that's how the child is endangered from their own website again endangeredsyndrome.com across europe and asia down syndrome births are 50 percent lower than projected 
That's a good thing. Um, in Denmark, Down syndrome births fell by an average of 13% annually from 2004 to 2010. That's a good thing. I don't know. Are they basing it on people making the decision not to go through with the pregnancy? Or I don't know. Are they basing it on, on the fact that maybe people are, are younger when they're having, sorry, um, women over 40 who are more at risk of this are having fewer babies? Are they basing it on just overall health in general? Uh, you can't say that Down syndrome children are endangered. I don't know what it's based on because in my in my knowledge from a while ago, I think that a lot of women are having babies when they're older now. By choice, they they have they get a career and then they decide to have a baby. I don't know what they're basing it on. I don't know. Even if they're basing it on straight up abortions, mm-hmm. is that a problem? Are, are they still considered? Do you still consider Down syndrome children to be endangered? It, uh, they're not a species. They're not a separate race. They are human beings. The endangered species list is for animals. Down syndrome babies are not animals. They are human beings. And we've got to make that distinction. We can't say they're endangered. You know, I don't want to lower these kids to the level of chimpanzees. I'm not quite sure what they're wanting from this campaign anyway. It's a strange campaign that they would do a full page ad in the Globe and Mail, which is like probably at least $25,000, to say that they are endangered, that they should have the same protections as polar bears. Well, no, they should have more protections than polar bears. They're not, an ind- and there's, uh, this is going to sound very patriarchal, and I don't mean it to be, but Down syndrome children are, are they're not broken. There's nothing, air quotes, wrong with them. They have a, if I, if I understand it, it's a genetic anomaly, a genetic anomaly. Yes. That causes um, some medical, can, can sometimes serious medical issues. Very serious. Does it cause... These are kids that we used to say were mentally retarded. They are not mentally deficient in any way, are they? Yes. Yes, they are. Or, or no? Yes, they are. There's, they a, are. there's a very, very wide spectrum okay. of their abilities. Okay. You can have Down syndrome little individuals that um, grow to go and to work, and they live their life, yep. and they earn money, and they're very they're functioning. And wonderful human beings, yep. and some of them are very, very sick. And, and others need constant care throughout their lives? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. So so they're no different from, not no different, but they're similar to kids with cerebral palsy Cere- and, and yeah. dystrophy. Autism. And, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They are not endangered in that regard. So it's a, it was a very, very strange. No, I, I was quite shocked when I saw it. I thought, oh, my goodness, do they, do they, are they looking at the numbers of women that are choosing or couples that are choosing to terminate pregnancies based on the genetic results of testing? I, I don't know. And the other aspect of it, if you go to the website, endangeredsyndrome.com, and I don't know if it comes up with different images. Let me just refresh this, this uh, website. Oh, sorry, Let's, I'll put it over here for you. Um, the ad, if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, the full page ad, this is the other thing I found offensive about this, uh, uh, newspaper ad. You scroll down to the bottom of the page, you can see the second image from the left, the third image from the right is the kid who is in, or the young woman who was in the advertisement. And the way they shot the picture, you can't tell this child has down syndrome. 
Down syndrome children are fairly distinctive. Well, yes, they have genetic. They have their dysmorphic sort of features that mm-hmm. are part of the diagnosis right. and before the, genetic, the genetics get to them. But yep. the way they shot the picture made it look like this. You would never have guessed this child had Down syndrome. No, not just not so offhand by that's looking. That's an intentional thing that you did. Because 95% of the time, you take a picture of a Down syndrome child, adult, whatever, you can see. Mm-hmm. What did you call it? Dysmorph? What was it? Just a certain... Uh, no, what was the word you used? Dys- dysmorphic. Dysmorphic. Okay. The features of Down syndrome kids that we all know yeah. are very obvious. Mm-hmm. And they, but they shot this kid so that they didn't... You couldn't see those features. And that kind of bothered me. That they're sort yeah. of minimizing... The de- here you're, you're you're saying this is very very important, and yet the picture you took mm. was of someone who obviously wasn't obviously a Down syndrome child. Mm. I don't know why that threw me off so Especially much. But the, it, the second one from the right as well. Yeah, yeah. So they've all got these animal costumes. Well, that's the on. endangered species. I thing. know. They, they, they they're equating themselves with lions and and uh, leatherback turtles and, and a polar bear, polar and, bears and pandas. And again, I I found that really offensive. Because they are not animals. Yeah. And they shouldn't be treated that way. They shouldn't be thought of that way. Obviously, so I, they're choosing to f- to follow this um, <clears throat> this uh, um, sort of um, topic, the way that they're doing the campaign. Yeah. I think it's very wrong. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Go to endangeredsyndrome.com and check it out. I just wanted to get that off the top because uh, it, it really kind of bothered me. Hmm. Help! I pulled strings. Oh, sorry, hang on. My husband and I met very young and had kids right away. It's now 25 years later. Kids are off to college. Our life together is comfortable. We're still in love and everything should be perfect, except it's not. Oh, dear God, how many times have you heard this story? Although hers is a little different. I have recurring fantasies of just leaving everything behind, moving to the other coast, starting over all by myself. Oh. I dream of finding a small apartment, furnishing it exactly as I want, leaving a mess when I don't feel like cleaning up, eating whatever and whenever I want, and basically being a single girl in my 20s, <laughs> minus the dating and the insecurities. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if my husband and children visited, but there's something in me that craves distance in my own space. I have no desire to find another man. I just want to be alone. I've been finding excuses to travel solo, simply because staying by myself in a hotel is the closest thing to fulfilling my fantasy. I go to room service, binge watch movies, just revel in my solitude. I wish I had an excuse like a job offer or a degree program far away to make such a move possible. I'd probably want to come home after a while, a year, maybe two, but who knows? I might love living alone too much to give it up. Part of me also feels guilty for wanting this because my husband is so damn it that he wouldn't want to be without me. I've tried to talk to him into getting separate bedrooms for years, and he refuses. I also imagine that someday I'll probably be widowed and have exactly what I'm dreaming of. At that point, I'll miss him terribly and feel foolish for wanting this now. Is this impulse bizarre and unhealthy? Is it a phase I should just grit my teeth and barrel through? Is it something that will eat away at me until I get off my ass and do it? Can I do it without hurting him too much? Oh, my goodness. And we don't know how old she is. but um, got married very young, had kids right away. It's now 25 years old. So let's assume she's 45. Hmm. Well, to answer the last question first, of course she can't do it without hurting yeah, him. Yeah, He's going to be devastated. Yeah. And I guess that's what you have to base everything on is, you know, you ha- 
have someone in your life, you've had children together, all of those years, and you will hurt him and it will yep. be irreparable. Yep. Is that the bottom line? I don't know if it would be irreparable. Irreparable, yeah. <laughs> Adamant. But, but, Adamant. <laughs> but it definitely will hurt him a lot. If only because men are really, really dim. And for him, it'll come out of the blue. Even though you've talked to him about this stuff and you've probably left hints and you travel solo and that kind of stuff, he's still he's a man. Not getting it. And we're really, really dumb when it comes to this stuff. And he'll you'll go you'll go to him and have this conversation, he'll go, What what what, what when did when did this start? And mm. she'll go, Ten years ago, you idiot. <laughs> Is this an unusual want or desire? Oh, I th- uh, for me as a woman, having two children and having been in a marriage for 20 years, not at really? all. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I don't know. Dear lady, I don't know how many times I've wanted to run for the hills. Think about being on my own, yeah. shopping like a pretty little French girl on a daily <laughs> basis for fresh food and eating my 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 bachelorette suppers in bed and <laughs> getting up and going to work and not having to worry about anybody else and oh my gosh like I totally relate I do I do and I empathize with her yeah. I get it but good for her for looking for little outs and traveling on her own and doing little things maybe that's the answer is that she say you know i want to go do this on my own or i'm going to go away for a week and do this maybe that's her answer we hear about this kind of stuff um, this general idea on a regular basis especially from people who marry so very very young yes because she didn't have it in their late teens early 20s and then they have children right away as opposed to, you know, getting married in your late teens is, or early 20s is not great, but it's okay. But then six months later, you're a mom. And now the next 20 years of your life is going to be, you're a mom. Mm-hmm. You're not this adventurous person who can do hikes and go to um, Florence and, and travel and do whatever it is you want. Yeah. You are mom. As wonderful as that is, that's who you are. That's who you're going to be mm-hmm. for the next 20 years. Yes, it is. And we, I've seen so many advice columnists having to deal with it with these moms. And for whatever reason, it's quite often moms who say, I don't want to just be a mom anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to something. I missed, air quotes, missed my 20s. Mm-hmm. And whatever it was that they perceived their 20s were supposed to be about, mm-hmm. they missed out on. Whether that means travel or men or being by yourself. You know, you finally moved out of your parents' house. Now you have your own apartment and you have to get your own groceries and buy your own toilet paper and that kind of stuff. Um, all of those those issues. And this is, this is awful for her. It's awful. And... Then you start to question, well, why don't I want to do this with my husband? Yeah, yeah that's right. Why don't I want to be with him yep. and and do this? So she's bored. She wants some glamour. Yep. She might she, it may not involve being with a man, but it likely would potentially, be, you know, become that sort of thing. It's I feel for her. I really do. So the solution would be. To, I guess, do more of what she's doing now. But I think, and this is one of the very, very, very few times I would ever recommend this. I think she and he need to go to counseling. If only to wake him up 
to his wife's wants, needs, and desires. He's obviously we're just, we're making these assumptions. He's obviously comfortable in their life, mm-hmm. and it's really. It, I get the feeling it's a lot easier for men to be comfortable in that predictable, maybe boring life. That they go to work, they come home, dinner's on the table, they watch TV, they go to bed. On the weekend, he mows the lawn, he watches football, and they go to bed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe for for some guys, and by the way, not me, that would just shoot me in the head be boring as shit. But maybe for a lot of guys, that's just an easier life. And maybe women want more. Again, these are generalizations. I know there's guys out there who want more, but I hear from so many women. In my photography stuff, the our 75% of the women I've, uh, the people I've taught over the last 10 years have been middle-aged women mm-hmm. between the ages of 45 and 65. And rarely does the husband ever come along. I'd say about less than less than twenty five percent of the time, it's it's the woman and and hubby in the class. It's often the women because the women want to do something. They want to travel or learn how to take pictures or whatever it might be. So for her, I think what she has to do is is maybe keep doing what she's doing and say to the husband, "Look, I'm going to go on this adventure to Florence," and I just talked to women uh, a woman on uh, on a Thursday was interested in the, in the photography thing. She said her husband doesn't, doesn't want to travel with her. So she's decided, because she's 40, 50 years old, to hell with them. I'm going to go to Lisbon. Oh, that's great. I've never been. She's never been to Europe mm-hmm. because she's in this path. She has, she's has she been mom, wife, mother for all these years. Now the kids are gone, and now she wants to do something. Oh, I think it's just wonderful. But he doesn't. I hear that so often from so many people. And guys, if you're in this situation... If you're over the age of 40, if you got married young, if your kids are gone, dude, keep an eye on your wife. Mm-hmm. Because she might very well be this person, be this bored. Mm-hmm. And you don't want her to be this bored because she'll either resent you because all you're doing is sitting in the house doing nothing. Or she'll resent you and then go find other ways to be unbored. Mm-hmm. And that might just involve traveling. Mm-hmm. Or it might involve finding other people, other boys. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not even to have sex with, but it's just other people in her life. Because this part of her life isn't interesting to her. Mm-hmm. And I completely understand that. Mm-hmm. That's always the fear of so many people, I know myself included, of um, ending up at a certain stage in your life just bored. Mm-hmm. And you're bored with somebody. Mm-hmm. And you kind of feel trapped by that boredom. Yes. It's a huge one of the reasons why I love motorcycling because it ain't boring. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 fun, exciting, and dangerous. So that that's where the, where the, the the midlife crisis comes from. Not comes from, but that's one of the solutions. Is you go buy a sports car, or you buy a motorcycle, or you go skydiving, mm-hmm. or or you do something. Well, you find another woman. That's what men do. What men do. So, I think women need to, in my mind, women need to learn that it's okay if you're feeling this way, if you're unhappy. Figure out ways, you know, the rest of your life should be the best of your life. Yep. She's got to figure out a way to be happy, first and foremost, Mm -hmm. with herself. Yes, she does. With her life. And if that means that she moves to the other coast for a year, finds a job, lives in a little apartment, and comes back to hubby after a year, maybe that's the solution. 
Mm-hmm. Hubby may not may not like it, but me. But she's got to find the 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 solution to her own problem. She does. If nothing else, she certainly can't feel guilty about wanting to not be bored. No, that's the first step. But then her children are going to question her. Like she will be questioned, questioned, questioned. I mean, my my dear one of my dear friends went through a similar thing. She just wanted out. She wanted away. And then we would sit on her back deck, and she would say, "How am I going to do this? Yeah. I've got children. I've got grandchildren. I've got a husband who ridiculously adores me, yeah. and she didn't love him in the same way. And she really was at a loss. She was very melancholy and sad. And we would talk about it a lot." You've got to find ways to, if anyone's in this situation, you've got to find ways to, first of all, talk about it. And not only with a complete stranger, maybe that's counseling, maybe it's a, a friend, but you've got to talk to your partner about it too. And I'll tell you right now, if, and this is the radical empathy aspect of the show, if your partner blows you off or doesn't take those concerns into consideration, Maybe they don't have to be your partner anymore. Well, it's one thing or the other. You have to put up with the possibility and face the possibility that he might go, if you're going to go, then just go. Because it is very true that if you leave a situation, you can't go back because it won't be the same. It won't be the same, yeah. So it's either you go and just go, do your life or not. And I would get that response as well. But that's really hard, too, because a lot of people, they want that safety net of that family. You know, being by yourself at the age of 45 or 50 or 55 or 60, whatever it is, is really scary. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to go back to the dating world. Mm -hmm. You don't want to have to go and find another person who knows your buttons and knows what you like and don't like and knows how you like your coffee. But you might, too. Yeah, that's fair, too. Yeah, it's easy to date now. That's not a big deal. She doesn't sound like she's interested in doing that, but dating is easy. No, she absolutely says that that she she doesn't want to to date, that's for sure. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out a way to say this. Is this a problem that you and I could have? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that answer. Well, from either of us, not just me. Well, I don't think it's going to be a problem from my point of view because I won't let us get bored. No, you're very good at that. That's true. You no, know, even on a moment-to-moment basis, let alone a over 10-year period of time. Because this stuff grows. This doesn't happen in a week. Oh, no. This is something that's been happening to her for probably at least five years. Abs- if not, if or not, if not more. Mm-hmm. That's why I say mm-hmm. it couldn't happen to us because there, are, there are, my nature is to be exploratory. Mm-hmm. It is. To want to go find things and, hey, what's down this road? And, hey, let's go into this little shop over here. You, you, you've lived here um, in Gibson's for, what, nine years, ten years? Mm-hmm. We went into, I think about three months after I moved here, we went into a store you'd never been in. Which one was that? It was just down off the highway. The the um, the uh, not wasn't used furniture, but it was sort of a designer furniture type store. Oh yes, yes, I remember. You'd never been in it, and I was just no. like, I wonder what that store is. It was and, fairly new yeah, to yeah, the okay, coast. Okay. Yes, but, but that, no, I don't. I'm not. I, no, yeah, I, I 
I hadn't. We're walking down the, the uh, there's two areas of Gibsons. There's Upper Gibsons, which is the, sort of the small town commercial district. And there's Lower Gibsons, which is the touristy area. And we're walking along there, and there was a little sign that said uh, something about pop-up women's clothing. Mm-hmm. And it was up the stairs, up these steep stairs. It wasn't mm-hmm. a storefront. It was a door and a steep set of stairs. And I said, let's go. And you were like, no, we're not going up there. Yeah, come on, let's go. Let's go on up there. Went up there and there was this little tiny closet mm-hmm. where these ladies were selling. I don't know if they were used clothes or whatever it was. but A bunch it was, of used clothes. Close. You almost bought a purse with a wallet. I did it with someone else's. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so funny. Look, I like this purse. Look. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I like it, too. <laughs> that was just ridiculous. And then she opens the purse and there's a wallet in it. Someone's but you <laughs> mustn't think, though, that if I'm exploring, if when I'm traveling, that I'm not an no, no, explorer. Because no. when I'm traveling, I love to explore. It's what I would do all day when no. I was traveling. But what I'm saying is that even in my my hometown or where I oh, live. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm I'm always wondering what's on that alleyway. Mm-hmm. What's, what's, what's what's that store? It is in your nature. Kind of and so when I travel, I'm even more so. Oh yeah, know. when we uh, when we're traveling, I will be just let's get up early and let's go. But I don't think it's I don't honestly don't think it's going to be an issue, especially because I think we're both aware of it too. Well, and but this is our. It's your like 60th relationship and it's mine. <laughs> I came out of a 20, <laughs> I came out of a 20 year marriage. So it's wow. not like, it's not like where we don't, it's not like we've been together for decades or anything like that. And we're going, Oh my God, I know exactly what it's going to do now. Yeah. And sh- you're not going, Oh my God, I know this woman inside and out. And you, it's not like that. But the funny thing is, Part of that is what's wonderful about relationships is knowing that person inside and out. Yes. You know, there's that, there's the, there's two sides of the same coin, which I find fascinating with regards to relationships. There's that part of you where you know exactly what this person is like. I know what she likes, so I know I can definitely buy that thing, or I know I can't do that thing, or if I know if I touch her this way, that this will happen. Mm. But then there's that other aspect of you that doesn't want that. You want that mystery or that new or that whatever it is. And that's yeah. really dangerous. Oh, it is. I think that's why there's more swingers these days Could and be. people going to experience different things with with people that are maybe bordering on being bored no. or I don't know. Oh, it's wait, a very tricky we, one. We are never going to swing. Just let you know. <laughs> Why aren't we going to be swingers? Because I, you, I couldn't find someone as hot as you. <laughs> yes, you could. Yeah. I bet you there would be very beautiful little young swingers at places. Ooh, moving on. No, there was a whole Netflix show, reality show about this couple in Britain that had this big old house and they transfer it once every, I don't know, uh, and and the swingers come and they spend a whole bunch of money and they have, and, and all the bedrooms are used up and they were erecting a pole in the living room and people were coming to swing for the night and they were making a lot of money. If I was in my 20s, maybe now, no. Why? Because... Many years ago, luckily for me, many years ago, it stopped. Sex stopped being about the physical act for me, and it's more about the person. And swingers, I, you're just an object. You know, like I've always said, you're just masturbating inside of somebody, and I have no interest in that. That to me is boring. That's what swinging generally is. You just want to stick your penis in something different. 
usually, off sometimes, not yeah. always. I'm but, not going mm-hmm. to be able to sit there and talk to the person about who they are and, and all that kind of stuff. That's, no. That's what I want. That's not what it's about. I think that's, for me, that's why it's it's more special than anything else. So, yeah, so I'm, I think that's also why I'm, um, I know that uh, why I could never commit adultery on you. Because I'm not interested in someone else just for the simple sake of having sex. I know you're not. That's why I told you that you're, um, for you, with you, the idea that you would be unfaithful is more about your mind. I said that to you at last week or so. I said, no, I said, I'm not worried about you seeking out someone physically. Yeah. Uh, it would be more about the mind yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah. Which is why things like, uh, social media or, or Twitter or things like that concern me more because that's, you can really, there are affairs of, of emotional affairs and affairs of the mind. Yeah, but I'm too shallow for an emotional affair. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> but you're not. I, I'm, I could never do it online because for me, and this is also true just in general. Um, I like to tell stories. All right, I'm a storyteller by nature. I get that from my mom. My yes. mom loved telling stories. I love telling stories. Yes. But to tell a good story, I have to look you in the eye. I have to see how you're reacting to my story. I have to see whether what I just said made you laugh, in which case I'll wait for the laugh like a good comedian does. Whether I have to tweak the story for your sensibilities. I can curse more, curse less, or whatever it is. So for me, I can't tell my stories in social media. Too much typing, for one thing. But I also can't see the other person's face. It's also why when we talk on the phone, I generally, I'm not a storyteller on the phone because I can't see your face. Oh, when yes. The story. No. When you were courting me and charming me, you didn't tell me stories on the yeah, phone. Yeah, because I can't, I can't see your face. That's true. So for me, it's, it's while it may not, a, an affair wouldn't be about the physical in the sexual point of view. It would be about the, you're right about the mental aspect. Mm-hmm. But I have to be physical with you. I'd have to be in the same space as you are. But the other aspect of it, too, for me, is that unlike so many guys, and I do not understand how and why men do this, men will find what they consider, whether they're lying themselves or to some other person, this perfect person, and then keep looking for perfect person Mm -hmm. number two. They do. I don't understand that. Yeah. I have found the perfect person for me. My wife, Melissa is the perfect person for me. She is exactly as funny as I want her to be. She's exactly <laughs> as as interesting as I want her to be. She's exactly as interested in me as I want her to be. So I'm not going to look for someone who's that, but just two inches taller. You know what I mean? Mm, I have I no interest. I'm, I have no interest. Other people now have become simple bodies to me. They're not... I don't want to say this the wrong way. They're not human beings. They're just things that intrude in my space with you. Well, I think it's it's quite intriguing because that I find that very sad that people keep looking, 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 you know, for that. And I think that perhaps the whole online dating thing, because, you know, when you do online dating, you've got my hair color, my height, my eye color, my religious beliefs, my do I like dogs or cats or birds or fish? Do I like it's just, it's very dissected. It's mm. a dissected look at somebody else. 
And I've had this, I think you and I've had this discussion, but I've had it with other people where I've gone, but don't you sometimes when you meet someone, it's just this organic kind of a, wow, it's just like a, you don't even think about how how tall they are or anything. You just go, wow, what a great connection I felt with that person. And I think because I hear my, my, my women friends that aren't with a man, and they'll say little things like, oh, he's great and all, blah, 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 blah. He's a little short. Like, and it's very, even in our conversation about it, it's very dissected. And I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad or what. Yeah, I think it's just different. Seeking, per- seeking that perfect, like yeah. if he was just a bit taller, yeah. but I'll keep looking. Yeah, and then that's, there's, yeah. That's being a little, you should have. <clears throat> Things that you want in another person, but they shouldn't be things that are so silly as height, hair color, whatever it might it be. It shouldn't. It should be more about their personality and their values and what they believe and, and those kinds of and things. And how you feel yeah, when absolutely. you're with them, which you can't write down on a profile. Mm-hmm. So, I, And I think now that people have the excuse to go, well, I can go back because I've got this ocean yeah. of of guys or girls to look at or try or I think that seeking out has become almost chronic mm. very odd I don't know it is we are going to be going to Lisbon Portugal March 23rd to 30th we're going to be in Florence Italy the week before fingers crossed um, these are the 10 safest countries in the world tell me if you would travel in any of these countries number 10 Ireland oh gosh done it in a heartbeat Loved it. I, the, the the starting point photography workshops uh, basically what it is, is you're going to go to a place where you're you're going to want to go and trust me Lisbon is a place you want to go and learn to take photographs with the professional photographer but also be a tourist you know the, we're going to do classes in the morning it's going to be two hour classes in the morning but then as of noon you're off to do what you want to do mm. you go be a tourist and enjoy this beautiful beautiful city oh they can come with us if you oh, want they can to come hang with you us. can hang with us um. But I, I, the the idea is this is something we want to do or I want to do all over the world. And Dublin is definitely a place I would want to do a photo tourism thing in. I think it'd be a lot of fun to do that. Even if we just did it in the pubs. Mm-hmm. We just mm-hmm. did it in the pubs of, of Ireland. They really do stand up and just start singing. It's <laughs> wild. No, I mean, you'll hear a gorgeous woman's yeah, voice yeah. and you'll go, huh? and you'll turn around and there it happens. Yeah. It's, and that's my favorite music in the whole world. Yeah. <gasps> Loved it. Yeah, I'm dying to go to Ireland. Number nine, Japan. <sighs> I have no urge to go to Japan, but I'm sure it's lovely. I, I would like to go back. I was in Japan many, many years ago. Uh, I would like to go back and because the people were wonderful. It was really weird and cool and strange. Um, and at six foot three, I felt like Godzilla going through, <laughs> going through Tokyo. Uh, but I would love to go back during their uh, Cherry Blossom Festival, mm. which is just beautiful. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, no offense to anyone in Japan. Oh, not at all. I just don't. Have an urge. Yeah, it's just not a place that I've ever wanted to go. Singapore. No, I don't want to go to Singapore. I've heard it's very clean. Yes, yes. Extremely. Um, and photographically, visually very interesting uh, from an urban environment point of view, like Hong Kong. Hong Kong fascinates me. Mm. I don't want to go to Hong Kong, but I'd love to find a way to take pictures of Hong Kong. Yes. You know? um, 
But yeah, there's most, of, and that's true of most of Southeast Asia for me. I think it's true for you too. Yeah. No offense to anyone who's been there or from there or no, lives there. No, my brother goes there all the yeah. time. So my mom went to Singapore uh, quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. I just am not, I, that area of the world doesn't hold. Now, if somebody wanted, wanted to hire me to go teach photography there, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yes. But as a personal vacation, no. 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 Not really. Czech Republic. Oh, I don't, I don't know enough about the Czech Republic. <clears throat> I mean, Eastern Europe's not really. <laughs> I sound so fussy. The Eastern European countries are not countries I've been wanting. I'd love to go to Turkey, mm, but Istanbul. Like Istanbul. Mm. But Czech Republic, I don't, I don't have a comment. I don't know what to say. I always wanted to go to Budapest. Budapest, yes. Hungary. Love it. Would love it. And Vienna. No, I don't want to go to Vienna. No. no. <laughs> Um, number six in the list of safest countries in the world, Canada. Oh, well, yes. Uh, by the way, the United States is 121st <laughs> safest country in the world. That's not good. That's really, really not good. This is a list of the most friendly cities in Canada. We'll have to check that one out. Denmark. Yeah. No. No, I don't have a real urge. To I've, go heard, to I've heard Copenhagen is very pretty. I'm sure it is. And again, it's another place I would I would take pictures of. Someone hired me, mm -hmm. but it's not a vacation destination in and of itself for me. No, no. And number four, Portugal. Oh well, Portugal is the fourth most safest country in the world. But even if it, uh, uh, even if we weren't going there, I'd say, oh, I'd love to go to Portugal. Yeah, yes, I, yes yeah. I've always wanted to go to Portugal. In 2016, Condé Nast Traveler declared Lisbon the most underrated city in Europe. Yes. The Global Peace Index only underlines that point. Portugal's relative affordability and beauty combined with its safety score make it a must-visit. Wonder. Well, How wonderful. It's, this is, feels like this is all coming together. I know. You know, um, uh, the World Tourism Award was given out last uh, month to the uh, uh, Turismo Lisboa. The, the National Tourism Organization of Port oh. Portugal. Uh, people, I've seen like 10 stories in the last week about Nazare, the place of the amazing, mm -hmm. insane wave. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of cool. Number three, Austria. Again, you know, Vienna is, I think Vienna is the only place I know about Austria. And for some reason, I have this romantic notion of, and I don't know where it comes from, I want to be in Vienna at Christmas time. I want to be in a cafe in Vienna at Christmas eating strudel. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, I hope that comes through for you. <clears throat> Number two, New Zealand. I'd go back to New yes. Zealand in a heartbeat. I've never been, but Great I've people, beautiful country, beautiful, easy to travel. I am... Um... I'm not a landscape photographer. I'm an urban photographer. But I would love to go and shoot the landscape of New Zealand. And it's only because of Lord of the Rings. Oh, those beautiful, beautiful scenery we saw. Well, it's like a little mini BC. True. Yeah, fair enough. You fair know, enough. you can see the penguins there. Um, lovely people. Yeah. New Zealanders are lovely people. And the tenth year in a row, the safest country in the world, Iceland. No. Well, that's where my son loves to go. He's yes. been there twice already, and he loves Iceland. He's traveled it extensively. It. The downside for me photographically for Iceland is because of lighting. Iceland's a hard place to shoot for beginners. 
Oh. Like, I would not take a group of beginners to Iceland. No. Because the lighting conditions are so challenging. Mm. The scenery is so, it's so stark. Mm. You know, the pictures that Damon sent back from Iceland were just beautiful. They're I mean, stunning. He's, he's, he's so... He's a, he's a great photographer. He is. But it's because he understands composition and light and, and all those things. I don't know where he got it from. He yeah, just, he's, he's self-taught. He's, he's amazing. He is. Damon Berryman, uh, photography, if you want to check it out on, mm-hmm. on his Instagram. But yeah, I would not take a group of beginners to, to, to Iceland because no. of that. I actually had someone ask me that and I said, no, if, if you have a choice, don't go to a place with more consistent light. Go to Tuscany, to, to uh, Portugal, Spain, uh, the Mediterranean, where you'll get better light for beginners hmm. because it's just easier to capture that wonderful light until mm-hmm. you become mm-hmm. a better, better photographer. Hmm. So the Condé Nast, uh, moving to Canada, Canada. here it's 10 friendliest cities. Number 10, Montreal. Love Montreal. Yeah, if, if, if you're an American and you want a European feel without going to Europe, just go, go, to, Mont- go to Quebec. Go to Quebec in general, Quebec City in yep. particular. Quebec City is the only walled city left in North America. Mm-hmm. And Montreal is wonderful. You don't have to speak French. Um, it's harder to get by in Quebec City. It's easy to get by without speaking French in Montreal. Yes. Outside of Montreal and Quebec City, it's a lot harder. Yes. Um, but generally, if you sound like an American, they'll, they'll be nice to you and speak English if they can. If you're Canadian, they, they can be awfully mad at you. Because they you, can. Because to, to be fair, we have two national languages in this country. And the vast majority of people in the country don't speak one of them. Mm-hmm. And so the people who do speak that language get a little pissy at you because they've got to learn English in order to be able to leave their small town. You know, mm-hmm. they want to go to Manitoba. They've got to learn English. So, well, if they want to go anywhere, they sort of have yeah, to learn English. Right. Number nine, Winnipeg. I've, I've, I haven't spent a lot of time in Winnipeg. I've heard Winnipeg has an amazing arts community and all that. So. Don't care. Um, this is kind of asked, uh, uh, humble prairie province, north of North Dakota. Don't let the minus 18 degrees Celsius temperatures deter you. Oh, it will deter me. Yeah. It will absolutely deter me. <laughs> I'm not going to Winnipeg. All no. right. I've been to Winnipeg once. I ain't never going back. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there as a destination. No, no. I, I really don't plan on going across the prairies ever again as long as I live. <laughs> I've already done it once. Unless you're from, honest to God, unless you're twice, from actually. the prairies, mm-hmm. whether that be the, the, the grand, the great plains of America or mm-hmm. the prairies of Canada, unless you're from there, you don't want to go there, no, because it's it's a visual, um, uh, it's a way, it's a there's a visual sense to it that you if you unless you're from there you can never get used to. Mm-hmm. In, in my opinion, I, I I I still remember even as a kid looking a thousand miles west or east and seeing nothing. Mm-hmm. The Just biggest sky ever. Flat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's if you've ever been to Kansas or, or, or those kind of places, it's the same thing. It's the same geography. Mm-hmm. And I, that would just make me insane. Oh, I, 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 I need some contour. No, I've been across one way. I've been across east way and then back west way across the prairies. No, I drove over there once and just it was just awful. Mm-hmm. No offense to anyone who lives there. I'm never going back. And I get that there is a beauty to it. In a, yep. in a yes, but you have to be used to that beauty. Mm-hmm. You, 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 I don't think you can live in a place like British Columbia with our mountains, and then be happy in 
Saskatchewan or Manitoba. Oh, well, I've had people that I've known that li- moved to BC from the prairies and have gone, the mountains obscure way too much of the sky and they that's, didn't yeah, like that's it. That's right. I've heard yeah, the same thing. Yeah, it was like, oh, yeah. where's the sky? So, it's, you know, it's what you get used to. Number eight, and I agree, disagree with this entirely, uh, in the uh, top 10 Canadian cities, Toronto. Friendliest cities. I, I wouldn't say Toronto is an unfriendly city. I just hate Toronto. But he just hates Toronto, everyone, so. Moving on. I don't want you to talk about Toronto. Okay. Ottawa. I hate capital cities, and I've never been there, so I can't. I hate any capital city. even London, the Ast- No, I mean, no, I mean, um, a parliament, parliamentary city. like Government uh, cities. Government cities. The only government city I've actually liked is Washington, D.C., and it's because of the history. There's mm. a lot of amazing museums and mm. that kind of stuff. But otherwise, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, like Canberra in Australia, I just thing. never liked no. it. Um, I only spent one any amount of time in Ottawa once, but that was in the middle of winter. It was minus 50. No, thank No. Uh, yeah, I know. No, no, no. No can do. Calgary, number six. Top 10 friendliest cities in Canada. I mean, I. Don't want to go there. Never want to live there. Don't know much about Calgary. I lived there briefly and didn't like the town. The people were okay because they were Canadians. Well, so they're Canadian. This is, we're talking Canada here. You can't really go wrong. <laughs> True. <laughs> but there really wasn't anything special, in my mind, special about Calgary. I didn't find the only thing. Big city in the middle of the prairie. The only thing I found special about Calgary was it was the only place in the world where I was ever able to see my favorite artist, M.C. Escher. Oh. And they had a big display of M.C. Escher um, originals. And I found out most of M.C. Escher's originals are owned by some guy in Nova Scotia. Oh. Which is very weird. Is that the guy that does like the op- the illusion stuff? Oh, yeah. No. And so I saw. Okay. I've, I've had M.C. Escher posters on my wall and, and yeah. wall calendar, all that kind of stuff. But I actually was able to see the originals, which was very cool. Mm, that's very cool. Yeah, it, was, it was great. Yeah. Um, St. John, New Brunswick. Never been there. Yeah, you don't want to go there. It's New Brunswick. New Brunswick is an awful. The way I feel about Toronto is kind of the way I feel about New Brunswick. You should just pave the whole thing. There's oh. nothing in New Brunswick worth bothering with. <sighs> it's just in the way driving from Nova Scotia to Quebec. Okay. <laughs> mm. Quebec City. I haven't been to Quebec City. It's interesting they call this one of the friendliest cities. And again, I think that's because they're American. There's always been this tension between English Canada and French Canada. Mm-hmm. If you're not English Canadian, going to Quebec City is fine. Mm-hmm. If you are English Canadian, there's still that tension we're going to have with uh, French Canadians. And mm. it's, it's a sad tension, but it, it's there. But it's a very pretty city. Again, it's the only walled city in left in North America. So I can see why people would say it was friendly. Number three, Halifax. Oh, well. Of My course. hometown. Mm-hmm. I'm hurt, appalled. That it's only number three. <laughs> it should be higher. It should be one or two. All right. You know what is number two? No. Vancouver. I call bullshit on that. I don't think Vancouver is a very friendly city myself. I would not pick Vancouver as number the second friendliest city in Canada. Neither would I. Especially if you live here. Now, maybe in the tourist areas, that kind of stuff, that's typically Canadian, so yes, the people are friendly. But to live here? No, I don't think that's the friendliest. Not at all. No. So what's number one, Victoria? Victoria. Okay. Well, that's because everybody's dying of boredom or something. <laughs> I don't like – I mean, I'm so sorry. I just – it's not uh, – I just – it's not my favorite place. No. 
It's uh, it's too touristy. And I've lived on the island, no. and all I love the island. Victoria is way too touristy. It's it's a, it's a government town. Government buildings are way too close. It's I don't like, and I I lived in Victoria for a year in, in high school. Hated. I was bored, stupid the entire time. Uh huh. Victoria, the my my boredom of Victoria is the reason why I went and lived in Nova Scotia. After we had moved moved from Halifax, to, oh, you were bored to, to, to Esquimalt to the naval base there, mm-hmm. and then I lived in Esquimalt for a year, in Victoria for a year, and then went to go visit my dad on his farm in Nova Scotia, and so that's how boring Victoria was. I, a city kid, chose a farm in Nova Scotia over Victoria. Hmm. And farm life was hell, mm. but I still hated Victoria that much. Wow, that says something. I want to know how CNN, sorry, Condé Nast Traveler chose the top 10 friendliest cities in Canada yeah. and didn't, nowhere on the list is St. John's, Newfoundland. No. St. John's, Newfoundland. They must be so friendly. I, oh, I love and Newfies. And I'm from Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. And I adore Nova Scotia. I, yes. I adore Nova Scotianers. I adore Haligonians. My province is the, the best province in all of Canada. But Newfies are the nicest people in Canada. They, I love Newfies. I've loved every Newfie I've met. Objectively, they are. Newfies, uh, Newfoundland is our, our poorest province. And yet... Newfies give more money to charity per capita than anyone else in Canada. They're the poorest people in Canada, and yet they're the most generous. Yeah. You will go to a Newfie bar, and you will make friends. You will walk down the street. People will say hello to you, and it's not a forced, touristy hello. Newfies are wonderful. And so I'm, how do they say hello, Sean? Huh? How would they say hello? Hello. No, do their accent. You do very good. I don't do a good at Newfie accent. Yes, you do. No, I don't. What do you think I'm going to say? I don't know. What's the words you thought were going to come out of my mouth? Well, just with the accent, that's all. The, the only thing I can say in Newfie is, Lord, turn in Jesus by. There we go. Lord, turn in Jesus by. Lord, turn in Jesus, mate. If you get a chance, there is a TV show called, <laughs> um, oh, crap, I've forgotten. It was, it was uh, They're fishing a fishing it. thing. And it's just like the, you know, the, the Alaska fishing thing. But this one's for Canadians, for uh, Newfies. And the funniest thing in the world is it's subtitled. <laughs> oh, you can't understand a bloody word they're saying. Half mate. Like, what? Huh? What? Because the accent is so thick. <laughs> I know. Cold Water Cowboys. It's yeah. Called, oh, it's my called, God. It's called Cold Water Cowboys. You ever you watch it? There's got to be some clips on YouTube. You just have to watch it just to experience watching it. Even you Just watch one if you need, even if you don't like it. It is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it the first time. You know, I'm I'm here. I'm a little homesick. I'm I'm flipping through TV and I and I see this description of you know the, the, the five fishing boats in Newfoundland. Oh, I'll watch this. I flip it on and as soon as the, as soon as the closed caption came up, I just busted up. Yes. <laughs> but then I listened to it. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah I, I need I, subtitles. I've forgotten how to how to understand this language. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they how how you could choose top ten friendly cities in Canada and not. Get, uh, just shows you how huh? they don't really know what they're talking about. Not really. Quite often, you know, that's not unusual, uh, especially when 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 you know about that thing that. Um, yeah, silly lists. It, well, I, I like lists, but <laughs> that, that one was definitely a, definitely a silly list. Um, have you ever thought about how to die? You mean, uh, how to die? Yes, or? That, the way you're going to die. Oh, the way I'm going to die? Yeah. Mm, 
not often, no. I used to when I was younger. I was a lot more Yeah, I mean, it's only because I saw my mother die that I often think, oh, I don't want to die like my mother died. Two people in Louisiana in 2011, uh, they died by nasal irrigation pots. Okay, now, I did not know what a nasal irrigation pot was. Oh, you didn't? Until I saw a commercial for one, maybe two or three years ago, and I went, the hell is that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Explain to the audience what a nasal irrigation pot is or what it's for. Well, you um, you use them uh, to sort of cleanse and clean out your nasal passenger pass passenger passages. <laughs> Blah, sorry. Wow. Yeah, you use them to a neti pot like that. It, there would be part of. Um, if you are on a cleanse or often when you're doing a yoga challenge for 30 days, they'll say, get out your neti pot. I've, ne- I, I've only done it if I've had a cold. Yeah. And, you, and you clean out and, and it's got a little spout on it. And you, you'll... Basically, you're squirting water up your nose. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I don't know. I could not do mm. that. Well, listen. does it hurt? No, well, I've got... I don't have a neti pot in, in my... i come out my nose. Yeah, but if it gets very, very congested and, and stuffed up, um, Damon, my oldest son, gets this problem. And I've got... I just got one from London Drugs, a bottle, and you can put a saline solution in, and I got him to do it. And it really, really helped him so when he was sick. Now you're squirting salt water up your nose. Mm-hmm. That just—I can't imagine that. It's very uncomfortable, but oh, it God. feels. But after it feels really good. Well, these How folks, did they die of that? The pot facilitated the transmission of a brain-eating amoeba known as Meglary <gasps> Fowlery. Was it in their water? It was in their tap water. Oh my God! Where did they live? Louisiana. Ew. Would they get like a worm in their brain or something? That is awful. What an awful way to die. There's a case of a woman who died from dangerously low sodium levels after drinking too much water and holding in her urine for a radio promotion. Don't do that. I don't care what they're offering. Don't don't do that. Whoa. Uh, gastronomic athletes have died in attempts to breaking hot dog eating records, but nothing compares to choking to death on cockroaches. <laughs> Oh, what? According to CNN, Uh. Edward Archbold entered a bug-eating competition in 2012 that was sponsored by a Florida reptile shop. Uh. Archbold wolfed down a series of cockroaches and worms only to find his airway blocked by the influx Uh. of domesticated body parts. Oh, my God. The medical examiner ruled he asphyxiated on bugs. Oh, oh, oh. That just makes me want to vomit. That's just awful. I will never understand. See, this is natural selection. (laughs) Sorry, it's natural selection. I will never understand the pension people have for eating massive quantities of something or eating weird things, Mm. what we consider weird. Mm. Like the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest they have every July 4th in in, uh, in, uh, uh, America. They televise this. So you can watch some guy. Is it in a bun or just? Yes, the the bun. So we can watch some guy eat 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Why? Oh, that's just foul. Why? Why? And I I wouldn't want to show off about such an achievement. I can say I climbed this mountain or I ran this mile this vast, but I ate that many hot dogs? I mean, is that something to write home about? Well, you go to restaurants down in the south in particular in the U.S., and they will have this thing where if you can eat this 75 pound steak we'll give you your meal for free you know, screw you you know no it'll be it'll be like it'll literally be like a like a, a five pound ten pound steak 
Uh, why would they be giving it away? I don't know. Okay. I just, I just don't get it. I don't get it either. Butter eating contests and pie eating contests. University of Miami described two cases in a 2017 paper. Um, I'm trying to read how to describe this. Um, straining to pass hard stool can result in something called defecation syncope or poop fainting. By holding your breath while bearing down to expel waste, the body's blood flow is reduced. If you already have compromised arterial blood flow, the blood pressure, the low blood pressure can trigger fainting or a heart attack. University mm. of Miami said two people died because of this. While you're doing a poop? <laughs> so you die while you're doing a poop. Because okay. they're trying, because they're constipated, they're trying to force it out. Right. Oh, man. Time for a suppository. That's, that's just awful. So not only could they have been getting paid while they pooped, they died while they pooped. <laughs> They were paid while they were. Oh my God! Picking up on last week's show. <laughs> yes. Nice continuity there. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Oh dear. My bet. My friend is estranged from her mother, who she calls a narcissist, and also from her adult daughter. She recently sent me an angry email accusing me of having major information about her daughter that I had an obligation to share with her. She wants me to be upfront about what happened and to apologize. I have no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> When I claimed ignorance and innocence, she told me I was completely dishonest. I offered to work with her to get to the bottom of the situation, but she refuses to tell me what this information is or where it comes from. I've not had contact with her daughter or any mutual friends for years. Her daughter is one of my son's 500 Facebook friends, but he also denies having any information and says he hasn't interacted with the daughter in years. My friend unfriended me on Facebook and refuses my calls. Is this friendship salvageable? Oh, good riddance. Exactly. Good riddance. <laughs> Memories. That's it. <laughs> Your friend of 25 years oh my God. has gone cuckoo. Yeah, and you wonder why she doesn't have contact with mother and daughter and things like just, that. Just let it go. Just bye-bye. You know, you've done what you can. You've mm-hmm. tried to explain to her that, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I understand, Susan. I know you're upset. Let's just calm down. I don't know what you're talking about. Please tell me. No, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. Well, then I can't help you, Susan. Yeah. I'm sorry, you, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, she's, she's freaking you, out. You've unfriended me? And she's unraveling. And, 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 and you don't want to accept my calls? Mm-hmm. I can't, I, I can't help you. Some friendships are not meant to last forever. This is something that I am, I've been grappling with, and you know who I'm talking about for, for a while, but I'm coming around to that idea that friendships have a half-life. They last, they don't have to last forever. Oh, some I've had amazing friendships that it was time for them to end. No, I think- and I love and I think about them and I think, oh, my God, we had such great times and I wonder how he or she is doing. But it's done. I think my problem is because I've moved so often in my life. I have so few adult friends that I'm still in touch with. Very, very. I'm in touch with no one from college except Glenn and Susan Thayer. Mm-hmm. I'm in touch with. Nobody I met in my 30s, like literally no people, no, not a single person that I met when I was between 30 and 40, do I still speak to? Mm-hmm. What do I know? Mm-hmm. And I'd say for my 40s, probably the same. So I have so few friends that I'm desperate to try to hang on to the ones I have, but there's this one friendship that has slipped away that I'm just fighting. But yeah, I got to say, okay, it's run its course for, for whatever reason. Yeah, it's true. It's hard sometimes, but... 
I'm active in supporting LGBT causes. My boyfriend recently said that this whole LGBT thing has gone way too far and that he's no longer sure what to think about same-sex marriage, even though he had thought he supported it. Worse, he said that maybe the original civil rights movement went too far and perhaps businesses should be allowed to racially discriminate if they want to. In fairness, that was in response to me pointing out that there's precedent for LGBT rights, but I'm not sure that it makes it better. I'm just aghast. How can I make him see how wrong he is? I don't think you can. I think you can make him see how wrong he is. It's unfortunate that he's going down that path. Mm, I don't it's yeah. like why? But I don't know if you could change his mind. How do you change someone's mind that ha- that, that that have decided they don't agree anymore? I don't think you can change the mind of someone when it comes to human rights. I don't think so. <clears throat> I, I think that that's a, there's a base level of humanity that I would expect from somebody I was with. Now, I have no problem with anyone disagreeing with same-sex marriage. That's your choice and, and you're right. But saying that it shouldn't happen... I disagree with that. Completely. Oh, I mean, you can have your belief, but you, you then don't discriminate or speak out against. Right. You just have your belief. The response was that they should dump him, but I think it depends on how vehement his disagreeal with of, of this is. If he's mocking LGBT people or making racist comments or making bigoted comments about this stuff, then yes, you should absolutely dump him. Mm-hmm. You can't, it's not your job to change the mind of, to, to, sorry, it's not your job to love a bigot. No. That if this person is acting this way in ways that are against your morals mm-hmm. and your beliefs, mm-hmm. that relationship over the long term is not salvageable. No. And even worse, if this is a relationship that maybe you want to see progress further into marriage and then children, mm. he's just going to pass it on, on to his kids. Mm-hmm. And you don't want that. That's how all this shit starts. Yes. Is it getting passed It won't go away. It's not going to go away. No. He's not going to change his mind from having an argument with you. You can give him the facts and you can say, I disagree with you. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't want to change his mind about basic human rights, mm-hmm. dump him. I think there's a backlash. I think yep, there is. when something starts to gain... When something that hasn't been accepted and uh, uh, goes into a state of where that group of people have to fight and make themselves loud and make themselves known and are and, being killed, and for are it? being ki- all of that, and it's uh, and it's in the press and um, and gay couples, men want to have a baby, and oh, it just goes on and on, and it just becomes so strange, and everybody's just being bombarded with it. I think that creates perhaps somebody that didn't really have an, a, a feel offended by it in any way, start to go, I'm done with this. This is bullshit. And they're either going to go one way where it's just to wipe it from their lives or they're going to start to go, I'm not into this anymore. I don't agree with it. This is bullshit. It's pissing me off. I have never understood the vehement disagreement with same-sex marriage. It doesn't affect your marriage whatsoever. I don't care at all. Your marriage is not going to be any more or less a marriage because – this gay couple just got married. Is that what people? Is that why people are against it? Oh, that, they? No, that's what they say. Oh, they're against it because they're against gays. That's just the bottom line. But many people will use the excuse of the the, the sanctity this, of marriage 
It's between a man and a woman. Um, a marriage between a, a man and a man is not sanctuous. It's not godly, is the way they will say this. And the only argument you can have with that person is, you don't know what godly is. You're not a god. No. Your your book that's been translated 18 different ways by 15 different people that was written 100 years after your god was around may say something, but it says a lot of things that you don't listen to. It well, says you must stone adulterous women. Do you do that? No. Then you can't you can't say that your book says homosexuality is a sin. No. If you're going to listen to your book, you have to listen to all your book. That's right. Not just the pieces that you choose to because you find something kind of disgusting or whatever. I mean, there are. Let's face it. Marriage between men and women is is terrible now and awful, and there's all sorts of yucky things that go on. You can't judge it like that. The other thing I say to people who are are against. Uh, who talk about the sanctity of marriage is it happens every year on on almost every news station around they want this feel good story and so they will show this feel good story of these two dogs getting married at city hall and the one dog is dressed up in a tux usually it's pugs because pugs love getting dressed up and the other dog the female dog is dressed up in a little wedding gown and there'll be a, a ceremony and everyone's laughing oh it's so cute dogs get married if you didn't protest that as a sanctity of marriage, then you can't protest two gay people who love each other. No. You just you can't. There's, there's not enough love in the world for you to say that love is wrong. No. Let's have more love, Let's not less celebrate love. love if the, I agree. Yeah, let's celebrate love. You don't have to go to the gay marriage. You don't have to, to, to preside over the gay marriage. No. You don't have to do anything. You don't even marriage. have to think about the gay yeah, marriage. Exactly. You just do with have you. to let it be. It will not affect your marriage whatsoever. <laughs> so let yeah. it go. I don't know why they would think it would affect their marriage, but strange. My holiday plans fell through with my parents. My brothers and sisters all had plans to see their in-laws as we met up as a family this summer. So my week of Christmas is going to be me and my dogs. I would normally give the week up for someone else at work, but my two new co-workers, Susan and Kelly, have been particularly nasty to me. Susan spent weeks bad-mouthing me because I wouldn't switch shifts with her to accommodate her childcare issues. I was taking night classes. Kelly told me to, to my face that people with families should have priority during the holidays. Our company does work that continues 24-7, so someone has to be in the office. Our supervisor is also a wimp. If I refuse to give up my holiday spot, Kelly or Susan will whine until they get it. If it was anybody else, I'd happily give up Christmas. Should I give it up anyway? I feel strongly, sorry, I feel strangely guilty. I'm going to do nothing but play with my dogs and watch Netflix. So, you can do whatever you like. It's no one else's business, and you shouldn't feel guilty about it. Sweetheart, enjoy your dogs and Netflix. Enjoy yourself. You work for these Christmas holidays. If it's your right to have these holidays, if if it's your ability to have these holidays at Christmas time, and you want to stay home and play with your dogs? Do whatever you like. Do it. Yes. Susan and Kelly can go fuck themselves. <laughs> Especially because they, they were bitches to you. Yeah. No, no, Even no. Even if they weren't, you could not guilt, not feel the slightest bit guilty and go, you know what? I'm going home and play with the dogs. Yes. Because the dogs are my family. Mm-hmm. I can't be with my regular family, so I can be with my, with my furry family. Exactly. If you want nice things to happen to you, you've got to be nice to people. That's right. Susan and Kelly weren't nice to people, so they could punish for it. That's right. Simple as that. Yeah, what goes around comes around. Take your guilt, go across the little bridge and throw it over the side. <laughs> and keep what? going happily on your way. Cross the little bridge? What? It's just a little visualization. You've got a little package <laughs> under your arm and it's your guilt. 
it's kind of heavy and it's bothering you and you get to a little bridge and you think, I'm going to throw this off the edge. Aww. It's not toxic. It's just going into the water and dissolving. My first husband died when our sons were babies. And for 20 years, I, I carried his name, raised our children, and watched our grandchildren be born. In my late 40s, I found myself in love and engaged. But then, my soon-to-be mother-in-law brought up the fact I wasn't planning on changing my name. It hadn't been a factor until then. I've had my late husband's name longer than my maiden name. It is my name, personally and professionally. Mm. She told my fiancé and me that it was disrespectful, that I wasn't planning on changing my name, and I was still clinging to a dead man. Worse, my fiancé started bringing up his mother's rhetoric when he had been fine with it before. We're not having children. He doesn't even want children. So why does my last name matter so much to him? He repeated his mother's lie that the only reason I wouldn't change my name was that I was still pining for my dead husband. I challenged him then that we both could change our names to my maiden name. If it meant so much of a clean slate, he refused to. This feels like such a silly issue, but I'm ready to end my engagement over it. I'm not changing my name because my mother-in-law has a problem with it. Am I being too stubborn or not stubborn enough? You keep whatever bloody name you like. It doesn't mean anything. I think it's awful that this has become an issue and that he's taken it on. He should say to you, I love you, I want to marry you, and I don't care what your name is. She says, so why does my last name matter so much to him? It's because you are a possession of his. He feels that in marrying you, he owns you. And therefore, as, as ownership, he should, you should take his name. Very traditional. Very it's traditional. traditional. No. It's idiotic. Mm. If the wife wants to change her name to Susan Go Below Yourself, then she can do that. Absolutely. If she wants to change her name to yours, fine. If you want to change her name to hers, fine. If you don't want to change her name at all, fine. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Hmm. That's who she is. Her, you're, you're, for a lot of people, their name is who they are. And she's mm -hmm. had that name for more than 20 years now. It gets harder, too, when it's your children's name. It's, when, right. if See, you now, that's son. an issue I, I, I don't understand. Not that I'm against it, but explain that from your point of view. Well, when, I, when my marriage ended, um, I, 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 my boys were still in school, and I didn't want to – I just wanted to be – I just wanted to be known as my, their mother with the same surname. Yep. I didn't want to get into me being – Having a different surname is than that, my children. Is that an issue nowadays, though? That 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 you would be Melissa Stokes if you went back to your maiden name, and the boys would be Damon Berryman. I wanted to. I don't. I just for me no. personally, I wanted to have the same name as them. It was important to me. That's something that you and I briefly talked about when we were talking about getting married, and even after the marriage. I think I don't know if you asked, but the conversation would have gone somewhere along the lines of do you want me to change my name or can I change my name or whatever it is? And I, would, and I know I would have said, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I got a cooler name. Oh, my coworkers do. seemed more concerned than me. I, sta <laughs> I started I started looking at um, my uh, reports that I had to add to with colleagues and I'd look at the bottom and it would have Melissa King and I'd go, oh, there's my married <laughs> name. Because they seemed very... And I would get emails saying, Melissa, do you want... We'll change your business cards and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's okay. Yeah, I'll just yeah. leave it as Berryman. Everyone else seemed more concerned than us. Makes no difference to me. I mean, I... you got to admit, though, King is so much cooler than Berryman. And that's the only reason why I'm a little hurt that you haven't changed it, because Berryman's such a goofy little name. I think Berryman's a very... But King's so much better. King is a great name. No, no, it's better. <laughs> 
I'm not. And, I'm not asking which is which is a, which is a good name or a bad name. Berryman, objectively, is a silly name. King is a very cool name. It's not a silly name. Yeah, it's silly. It is not. It's you're, an Irish name. Yeah, and means you're a field hand. Oh, what? Berry man, you picked. Barry. Anyhow, <laughs> I. The only reason that it hasn't been officially changed is simply because, like, you know, when I have to go and get my license renewed, I'll go, oh, I'll put it in my married now. Like, it's just because of logistics and life. And it's like, oh, my God, really? Do I have to do all this? I mean, when I go get a passport again. It's a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass. So I'll do it gradually. And I pacify my colleagues by letting them put Melissa King on my reports. (laughs) Are you going to be Melissa King? going to be Melissa King. It's like, oh, okay. And so they changed it. Now, that being said, I, as progressive as I may or may not be, I would never change my name to someone else's name. If, you know, there's some people that do that, they get married and they, and they take the wife's name. Oh, yes. I have a f- couple that or, or, did or that. Or a hyphenated name. I would never do that. Would, what, you I, as a man? Yeah. I would not, not me as a man, me as Sean King. I would never be Sean Berryman King or Sean King Berryman. I think it would just be silly. Oh, that's just silly. Besides, why would you change Sean King? It's the coolest name in the world. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And he's conceded, too. Yeah. <laughs> it is the coolest name. I mean, it's without a doubt, like, the best name ever. I, uh, when I was, as a kid, uh, my stepfather was Mike McKinstry. And so my name, up until the time I was 10, I knew myself as Sean McKinstry. Oh. And you learned. Oh, I wouldn't have loved you if that was your name. <laughs> Part of my, who you are, Sean King. Pissed about that. Um, but we learned the cadence of spelling. And to this day, forty years later, I still know the cadence of McKinstry. M C K I N S T R Y. It's a good British name. Yep. M C K I N S T R Y. That's how you spelt, and you did it automatically. Mm-hmm. Whenever you said your name, my name is Sean McKinstry. M C K I N S T R Y. You just because right. you, you always you knew people going to go. How do you exactly, spell it? Exactly. Yeah. It's M A C or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when I think I was about 11 or 12, when my uh, when I was 10, when I met my my uh, supposed real dad, who wasn't, that's a whole different story. And my mom, I remember going into grade 11, not grade 11, but 11 or 12 going to school. And my mom coming with me was the first day she'd ever come with me to school, except when I was like, probably in grade one or, or kindergarten. But after that, I... First day of school was by myself, you know, with all the other kids. But it, whatever grade it was in grade when I was eleven or twelve, mom coming in and us going to the principal's office, and mom explained to the principal that Sean's name has to be changed from McKinstry to King. And I thought I still remember thinking that's cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I like that. King. Oh no, that's, that's pretty the, cool. That, that because, it's a great name because when they did roll call. They did it backwards. So it was McKinstry King. Now, oh, sorry, McKinstry Sean here. Oh, now no, it's, it's King Sean. King oh, Sean. Lord. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I, do you think that would have suited you a great deal in high school? <laughs> Big bully. They have a new roll call. I look forward to roll calls. Like, yeah, baby. Go on. Go on. <laughs> oh, my God. There you go. There's the H's. Oh, there's the I's. Uh, J's. Here it comes. King, King Sean. Sean. Oh, my, oh, my God. Oh, my God. God, I would have been a curly, redhead, curly-haired little girl sitting there just, I don't know. The, the worst name I knew in high school was uh, my best friend, Donica. I love that name, Donica. Mm-hmm. But her last name was Potty. Oh, dear. Oh, I know. And she had a brother named Paul. 
Paul Potty. So his initials were Peapotty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would point that out to him, I'm oh, sure. Oh, hell yes. She had another brother named Tom. Oh, Teapotty. What, what was wrong with her parents? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and poor Donica made it very clear in grade 11 and 12 that she wanted to get married to somebody. Yes. <laughs> she wanted to change I'm going to change my name. Yeah. Donica grew up and is now, I don't know if she still is, but at one point was the Canadian ambassador to like Vietnam or Thailand. Oh, or, cool. Or Bur- Burma. Wow. Yeah. Still with the name Potty. I don't think so. I think she got married. Oh. No, no, I know she got married and she had a different name. But uh, someone someone told me that Donica was in politics and is now the ambassador to, I guess, uh, Vietnam or Thailand or one of those Southeast Asian countries. I thought, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, yeah. Someone from my high school grew up to be an ambassador. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really kind of neat. That so, is. Donica, if you're listening, congratulations. <laughs> That's it for today's show. Thank you guys very much for listening to Don't Listen to Us. As always, uh, send us emails to dltu at yml.me. I'm Sean King. I'm Melissa King. Thanks very much for listening. See ya. Bye.